What's up guys, welcome back to Mind Science, where we talk all about the science of the ego and the nature of the archetypal mind. Now in today's episode, we're talking about the concept of projection, what it is and why we do it. And understanding this concept can be super helpful because the way that our egos project onto others is a perfect barometer for our current state of consciousness and the areas within us that still need healing and balancing. Now, projection is typically seen as a negative thing, and it certainly can be, but in the purest sense, we are very fortunate that our egos project our unconscious and suppressed beliefs onto other people, because otherwise, we literally wouldn't know that they existed. If you wanna know what areas still need balancing within yourself, then just look at how you're viewing other people, and that will tell you. Your patience with another is your patience with yourself and your irritation with another is your irritation with yourself. And so this is the beginning of understanding what projection really is. So in this video, I'm gonna to attempt to explain the mechanics of projection in such a way that allows you to use projection to your advantage to do the inner work that needs to be done in order to have true inner freedom and authenticity. The first thing to understand about projection is that it is literally impossible to see anything other than the contents of your own consciousness. So you are either projecting a form of love onto someone or a form of fear. And these are literally the only two options. So everything that you experience can only be interpreted according to your internal reference frame. And that internal reference frame then dictates what kinds of things that you are a vibrational match to for the law of attraction. And for a more detailed breakdown of this concept, you can watch the previous video in this series titled, You Only Experience Yourself, which I'll put a link to up here. Each of us have been socialized by whatever type of environment that we grew up in. And this environment has conditioned us in certain ways. So as we grow up, we begin to form relationships with our family members and later our friends who unknowingly begin to split our consciousness apart into different fragments by making us feel like certain aspects of our personality are acceptable and other aspects of our personality are unacceptable. And so we naturally begin to dissociate from these aspects that we deem unacceptable. And this disassociation creates a split within our consciousness that eventually becomes what we normally call the shadow. For example, a child might grow up with a father who is very rigid and old school in his thinking. So anytime he catches his son crying or expressing his emotions in a way that the father deems unmanly, he aggressively tells his son to shut up and stop crying because real men don't cry. The father in that scenario is projecting an aspect of himself which he has disowned onto his son. This causes his young and impressionable son to feel ashamed of his emotions and repress any desire to express them in front of others. This rejected aspect becomes a part of what Carl Jung deemed the shadow self. I personally like to call it the lost self. All of us have aspects, both positive and negative, that we have rejected in this way and that lie in exile deep within us, begging to be expressed. Since energy can't be created or destroyed, it has to go somewhere. The energy these aspects create by crying out for attention must be offloaded somewhere. And so the ego uses that energy to project those aspects that we hate onto others 
in order to keep us unaware of their presence within ourselves. Pretty genius, eh? When we make any aspect of ourselves not okay, the ego perceives this as a threat to our survival. And because the ego is literally the survival mechanism of our brain, it buries this undesired aspect deep within our subconscious mind where it believes that we won't find it. And this is because long ago in our evolutionary past, our status in the social hierarchy was everything. The top members of the social hierarchy would get the best mates, the best jobs, the best food, the best shelter and protection. And so any aspect of our personality that the social hierarchy deemed as unacceptable would be of paramount importance for the ego to get rid of. The ego is the belief in separation. And so any split in our mind must then involve the rejection of one of the two parts. And this of course enhances the belief in separation. So the aspects of our personality which earn us approval from others then become a part of the ego's identity. And the aspects that earn us disapproval are then disowned and become a part of our shadow. And now this energy is still there, but it's now buried below the surface layer where we can't consciously access it. And so we normally go through our day-to-day -day lives without even noticing its presence at all. And because of this, it's very common that our friends and family might notice certain characteristics about us that we ourselves are completely blind to. As the boy from our earlier example grows older, he might believe that he's actually a confident person, but his inability to express his emotions will make it difficult to keep a relationship. His girlfriend might tell him that he's insensitive and has an insecurity about being vulnerable with his emotions, and this will sound completely foreign to him. What? No I don't. I'm just a really confident person, that's all. Now he will say this because of the fact that he sees expressing emotions as a sign of weakness. He's literally not capable of seeing what his girlfriend can clearly see, because his ego is actively hiding that fragment from his conscious awareness. The ego fights to keep us in an unconscious state, so it can maintain as much control and influence over us as possible. And because of this, we usually don't notice our shadow side until the projection of it causes us to suffer in some way. So in order to keep these aspects locked away from us, the ego then begins to actively judge and despise these rejected aspects in other people. The ego judges what it projects and continues to attack it in order to keep it separate from you. And so whatever you project, you disown within yourself. And therefore, you don't believe that it's actually yours, even though it is. The ego is very crafty and efficient at what it does. And so it knows that if it can make these disowned parts of us an object of our hatred, then it will never be something that we seek to reconcile. It will always remain unconscious, right where the ego wants it. These unconscious aspects become some of the ego's most powerful anchor points in our consciousness. And for more details on how to remove these anchor points, you can watch my video titled how to break free from ego. When we see a rejected part of us being expressed in someone else, it immediately sets us off in some way. We feel the pain of that disowned part of us and we find it to be irritating or annoying or even offensive. That's right, the pain that we inflict on others is the pain that we have already inflicted to ourselves. 
but this also works for positive qualities as well. Whatever aspects that we worship or envy or idolize in others, even celebrities, is a direct mirror to those positive qualities in us that we have disowned because we don't feel worthy of them. Pretty crazy, right? This is the law of harmony, which says that similar frequencies vibrate or harmonize with one another. So if something you see in somebody else triggers you, that's because the same exact vibration is present in you. So the bottom line is, if it's not in you, it can't trigger you. When we go around judging others, we are giving our ego the right to judge us with the same intensity. You cannot hate anything in someone else that you don't also hate in yourself. This is projection. Jesus had a very poignant teaching about this concept of projection where he says, do not judge or else you will be judged. The standard you use in judging others is the standard by which you will be judged. Meaning, if you judge the reality of others, you will be unable to avoid judging your own reality. So in order to escape from this trap of self-judgment, you must learn to forgive everyone for their faults and look at them with compassion. The compassion you give to others will be the same compassion you can give to yourself. This is a process that I call reconciliation. Every aspect of us has its positive and negative expression and enlightenment is about balancing these two polarities by loving both of them equally. Now, loving a negative trait does not mean that you like or enjoy the pain that it causes you. What it means is that you are not judging it as being unacceptable and you are allowing it to express itself as it is. What you fight, you strengthen and what you resist persists. But the moment that you choose to love unconditionally, is the moment that your ego dies. And so loving and accepting both polarities equally moves you beyond duality and therefore beyond patterns of projection. So here's some practical tips to help you overcome projection patterns. Step one is to recognize your triggers. Start looking for those qualities that bother you and others. What triggers you is what needs healing in you. So try to locate the root of that trigger. Why does this particular expression irritate you rather than cause you to feel compassion? Have you ever behaved this way yourself? Because if you hadn't, then it wouldn't be able to trigger you. So try to go as far back in your memory as you can and find the very first time that you made this aspect not okay in yourself. Step two, as cliche as it might be, is to sit with that feeling. You always want to take advantage of the trigger when it occurs because this is your chance to do the real inner work. Become very interested in this particular feeling. I call it going into scientist mode. Begin to flood that feeling with awareness and notice every detail about it that you can. Your emotions are like clouds and your awareness is like the sun that burns the clouds away with its light. So begin to notice where this feeling manifests in the physical body and begin to study it like a curious scientist. The more awareness you bring to this feeling, the less and less power that it has over you. Step three is to then flood this feeling with love and acceptance. Tell it that it is welcome and you are here to listen to what it has to say. After all, this is a rejected aspect of you from the past, so it may just have some important information to share with you that will help you to heal. 
Try to imagine if you had been locked away in a dark dungeon and chained to a wall for 20 years. You can see the shadows of feet passing by the crack in the door, and you cry out to be heard, but no one ever comes to your rescue. This is essentially what we have done to parts of ourselves. We have banished them to the dungeons of our subconscious mind long ago, where they will always remain crying out to be reconciled. They will never allow us to have true peace or happiness because they do not have it themselves. Everything is crying out to be made whole. So by shining the light of our awareness on the rejected and suppressed parts of us, we are rescuing them from the dungeons of our subconscious. When we love any aspect of ourself without first requiring it to change, then we actually infuse it with the power to change and become its highest expression. And this is actually the message behind the famous Disney movie, The Beauty and the Beast. Once Belle proves that she can really love the beast, which represents the shadow self, then he transforms into a handsome prince before her eyes. And likewise, all the other aspects of her shadow are also transformed back into their purest expression. Everything is here to be loved. The pain that we experience comes from not allowing something to have its natural expression. And when we do that, we don't want to allow others to have that expression either. So the next time that you catch yourself responding in ego, in fear or anger or insecurity, rather than judging that action as being not okay, simply have compassion for yourself in that moment. It's just where you are in your journey and that's okay. There's no judgment in that. If you had not first disowned that aspect of yourself, then you would never look upon it with disdain in another person. So if you want to escape this trap of reflexive self-judgment, then you have to begin reconciling these fragments of your lost self back together again through love and compassion. So until you can see it in another person with only compassion and understanding, then that aspect of you is still buried deep inside somewhere waiting to be loved back into wholeness again. Hate cannot heal a broken heart. Only love can do that. Only light can expel darkness. But light dispels the darkness by showing you that it isn't actually there. And likewise, perfect love casts out fear by showing you that separation does not exist. You cannot actually lose any part of yourself. Every part of you is here to be made whole, and it will not relent until it is. This truth is expressed beautifully in the famous parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son takes his father's inheritance money and runs out and squanders all of it on gambling, prostitutes, and wine. He eventually runs out of money and becomes a homeless man on the streets sleeping in the pig pens and eating their slop. But he eventually comes to his senses and says, I will return home to my father and beg forgiveness and tell him I am unworthy to be called his son. But the story says that while he was still a long way off, his father had compassion on him. He runs out and embraces him in his arms and says, Bring out the best robe and kill the fatted calf. Tonight we will feast and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found.